All right. Hey, uh, I want to again greet the people watching online, those who couldn't be here in person. We're still so glad that you were here with us uh, virtually all the same. Um, yo, what's up? Is that Bryce in the back? How you doing, man? Uh, so, so some folks are out of town. Some folks can't come tonight. I don't want in particular out of town. Izzy is out of town. He's in Texas. Uh, Izzy's birthday is tomorrow. So, man, blow up his phone tomorrow. Man, let him know you love him. You miss him. Uh, and and uh, look forward to him, him being back next week. Um, who else has a birthday coming up in the next, like, four or five weeks? Anybody? Shelby, when's yours? April 15th. Yeah. Is, is that a Thursday? Okay, we got to turn up for Shelby's birthday on uh, the 15th. Yeah, of course, wish, <laughs> wish Izzy a happy birthday tomorrow. Man, I'm super glad y'all are here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's going to be it's gonna be good tonight. Uh, thank you, Leland, for reading, uh, reading the word there. Yeah, we're going to be in Acts chapter 17. I'm going to pray and then we're going to hop into it. Father God, thank you again for the opportunity uh, to be with my brothers and sisters tonight. Thank you for, for all that you've already done and all that you're going to continue to do in our hearts in our lives tonight. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Have your way. Amen. Amen. So several years ago, I don't want to actually say how many years ago, but it's been a minute uh, when Jackie and I uh, were dating, when Jackie and I were engaged. It was the year before we would be married. Uh, I was working at a variety of different jobs, volunteering at a variety of different places. Uh, one of those jobs was I worked at a small Christian radio station in Knoxville. And so uh, my, my, my major in college was advertising. So I did advertising production for this small Christian radio station called Faith 1240 AM. And uh, so I did their advertising production, but then also I did some DJing uh, during the drive times and the afternoons and evenings, you know, uh, would transition between songs, that kind of stuff. Um, I was also on campus doing, doing Chi Alpha. You know, I, Jack and I first got involved in Chi Alpha, in the ministry of Chi Alpha as students ourselves. That's where we met. That's where God called me to the ministry. It was in Chi Alpha. So I was, I was uh, working at the radio station, and I'd come over to campus in the afternoons and evenings and meet one-on-one with guys and uh, disciple guys, lead small groups, lead Bible studies on campus. In addition to that, Jack and I were also volunteering, working at our local church as junior high pastors. Um, there's some overlap in when these things happen, so if you'll be generous with the timeline, if Jackie's like, those things do not happen at the same time in my memory, this is about the same time. Uh, <laughs> we're working as junior high pastors. I've been, I've been a, um, a youth pastor for about a year, like a small, uh, kind of more rural church, and then we moved to a little larger church, and Jackie and I were the, the junior high middle school uh, pastors for the youth group there, into a Calpha, and working at the radio station, right? These are three very different things with uh, and dealing with different people and so but they're, they're all kind of centering on the same idea of communication right there, there are things that I needed to communicate but the way I communicated at the radio station was different than how I communicated to a college student on the campus at UT was different than how I communicated with a, a you know sixth seventh eighth grader uh, at church you know ser serving there in the youth group right um, and at the, at the radio station you know I'm thinking picturing the the, the typical uh, AM Christian Radio listener is going to be that you know our, our kind of target audience here is is a little bit older folks, right? Maybe some soccer moms, maybe some older people tuning into the radio. So the way I'm going to talk uh, on the radio, communicate with them, kind of get them pumped up about, hey, we got this song coming up, is going to be a little different than how I'm going to talk on campus, right? To university students, right? You probably don't even have any concept of what Christian radio is, right? And and, uh, and, and the way I'm going to communicate with them is going to be a way that they can understand, relate to, connect with. But then, Wednesday nights, man, we go over to, to junior high, and I'm going to switch gears entirely, because, like, man, when I'm breaking it down for the guys, Monday night Bible study, right, in the dorms, um, and we're, we're talking about some heavy stuff that 18, 19, 20-year-old guys are dealing with, i got to switch it up a little bit before I talk to 10, 11, 12-year-olds in the junior high youth group. You hear what I'm saying? Like, okay, how can I make this message make sense for them? And Jackie and I would talk about that, like, okay, here's the verse, but, like, I, don't, I can't even hardly remember what it's like to be 10 years old, and, like, how can I connect with them? The way I communicated in each of those situations needed to be a little different because it was a different audience, right? And so, and it's the same for you guys. When we think about the way that you communicate, I'm going to move this forward. In your day-to-day -day life, you know, you are going to communicate different ways uh, with the different people around you. So I bet, I would, I would guess for everyone in here, you probably talk different around your friends than you would say you probably talk to your parents, or your grandparents, right? Would you say that that's me? I'd probably talk a little different to my mom and dad 
You know, to talk a little different to, to grandma and grandpa than I would to my buddies, to my friends? Yeah. Um, man, man, you, you might greet you know, your buddy, your friend in one kind of way. Man, you go to greet grandma like that? No, that's not going to work, right? Uh, and you know, so the way you talk to your friends versus the way you talk to your professors, right? The way you talk to your peers, your classmates versus the way you talk to like the dean of students, the faculty, your advisor, right? We, the way we communicate changes depending on who our audience is, who we're talking to. Uh, you know, the way we communicate changes depending on our audience. And the way we communicate about God is the same way. The way we communicate about God, or the way we communicate about the hope that we found in Jesus will also depend on our audience. Man, who are we talking to? And so tonight we're going to talk about finding a way to connect and share Jesus uh, no matter what the context is, no matter what the person's background is, how, how can you communicate Jesus in a way someone can really understand, right? Figuring out where they're at um, and, and how you can best explain it to them in a way that they can really understand. Uh, and then also, I mean, I, man, I'm not just here in this room tonight. You may be on different places as far as, as having a relationship with God or, or just different distances as far as saying, hey, Matt, I might be far from God myself. I'm talking about really understanding uh, man, who, who, who this God is for right where you're at right now. We've been studying the New Testament book of Acts together in our Thursday night times. We've been calling the series Sent, S-E-N-T, Sent, because it's all about living life knowing that you've been sent by God, that you're not here by accident. Did you guys know that? Every single one of you uh, that's here, um, and God has a plan and a purpose for your life. I mean, when you're following Jesus, when you walk into a room, you're not there by accident, right? God has sent you there with a purpose. And so understanding what your purpose is in Christ is going to inform how you live, how you treat others, how you speak to others, all those kind of things. So all, the, all these last several weeks, we've been talking about what it means to be sent by God. We've been studying the book of Acts, looking at the missionary journeys of the Christians there as they brought the gospel to new cities. Uh, and brought the good news about Jesus to people who hadn't heard it yet. And weeks ago, we even talked about how the name Chi Alpha, the name of our ministry is Chi Alpha. Uh, it's, it's a Greek name, but we are not a fraternity, not a sorority. Hopefully you figured that out by now. Uh, we're going Christian ministry. But the name Chi Alpha, man, is inspired from the phrase Christ's ambassadors or Christ's sent ones. An ambassador is sent to another country, sent to another place to represent uh, their, their homeland. In the same way, man, more followers of Jesus um, and we are here as sent people, ambassadors, representing a foreign kingdom, right? The kingdom of heaven, representing Jesus to the people around us. And that's a great privilege. Last week, we talked about how the believers, as believers, we must know when to lay down our rights and privileges for the good of others. And when to fight for the rights of those around us when they're being taken advantage of and mistreated. And we read about Paul's imprisonment in Philippi. Right, how God miraculously set him free from imprisonment. He saved the jailer and his family. Uh, but then the city officials said, Paul, you and your team have got to get out of here. You're causing all kinds of trouble. So they moved there uh, from Philippi to Thessalonica. Uh, and then the same thing happens. And, they, and they, they get run out of town. And then they go to Berea. And each new, new town they move to there, they, they find the local synagogue. Right, They find the place, the Jewish culture focal point, And they go there and they say, hey, um, you're from that. Well, he came, and his name was Jesus, and, and we were eyewitnesses to his glory and his ministry, um, and he was publicly executed, but God raised him from the dead, and we're here to tell you about that. So they go from city to city and say, hey, the Messiah that the prophets have been prophesying about for hundreds of years, he came, his name is Jesus, put your trust in him, and he can be made right with God. And so they go to Thessalonica, they preach in the synagogues, uh, a mob stirs up, gets angry with them, runs them out of town. They go to Berea, do the same thing. Uh, they preach in the synagogues. Many people believe a mob raises up and runs them out of town. In the text we're looking at tonight, Paul and his team now arrive in the city of Athens in ancient Greece. We still got Athens today, right? Um, and you can still go to Athens and you see some of these, some of these, when you picture Greece in your mind, the nation of Greece, the country of Greece, some of the things you picture are probably things there in Athens. You picture like the, the columns and the Parthenon, these things like this. Um, so th this, is, this is where Paul and his missionary team arrived there in the city of Athens. There is a synagogue there. There are Jewish believers there. There's also a large portion of the city that follows other philosophies that worships the Greek pantheon of gods and goddesses. So this is uh, you know, Zeus and Poseidon and Hermes and, the, and the, those Greek gods and goddesses you maybe studied in high school or in a college class um, when studying the classics. Uh, 
And so these people that studied Greek philosophy and were part of the, um, worshiped the Greek gods and goddesses, they didn't have that same familiarity with the Hebrew God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of what we call the Old Testament. They wouldn't be familiar with that God. So how does Paul proclaim Jesus to these people? Right? When he can't just roll up and say, hey, remember this guy that had been prophesied about for hundreds of years? I mean, when they don't have that foundation, right? How did, how did he communicate Jesus to these people? How did he uh, help them understand the good news of Jesus in a way that they could relate to? And we talked about we communicate different ways to different people. Depending on who we're with, we might talk one way or we might talk another way. Well, how did Paul talk about Jesus with people that would have had no concept, no framework for the story of Jesus and the Messiah? Well, let's take a look at it. We're going to see how Paul talked to these people, and we're also going to see how, from what he said, we can better understand God ourselves. We're going to be in Acts chapter 17. Uh, I'm going to pick up a little bit before we're leaving. I'm going to pick up in verse 16. Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 16, it says, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. You know, so he rolls up in the city, and he looks, and there's a statue to this god, a statue to that god, maybe an altar to some other goddess, and then a temple to, to a goddess here, and another temple there. Uh, and, and that troubles him deeply, because he knows that uh, and these people aren't, aren't serving the, the, the true God. And they, they, they're caught up in, um, in serving these other gods and goddesses, and so it says his heart is deeply troubled by that. Verse 17, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. So he continues his pattern of first going to the synagogue, finding Jewish believers there, but he can't help but notice this city uh, is full of idols and altars and temples to these other gods and goddesses. These people have no concept of, of the God of the Bible, the, the Hebrew God, the God that revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, uh, and Jacob, and, and, and the God that he served. They had no concept from that. His heart is troubled by it. Verse 18, it says, He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, What is this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, He seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Well, they're right. <laughs> foreign gods, foreign deities, uh, your translation might say. They say, Who is this babbler, right? Um, it, Obviously, that's not, that's, not a, uh, that's not a complimentary name if someone calls you a babbler, right? This is an insult. Like, who is this bozo? Who's this clown, right? Rolling up in here with his cap on, right? Clown. Um, and talking about these other gods that we don't know anything about. Who is this guy? But also, we're kind of curious. What does he have to say? Like, he, he's talking. This is really strange, but I kind of want to hear about it. It says the Epicureans and the Stoics. The Epicureans were followers of the philosopher Epicurus who taught that pleasure was the ultimate goal in life. The ultimate goal in life is pleasure, is happiness, right? Epicureans did not believe in an afterlife, so they thought, let's, let's try to cram as much happiness as we can in this life. So this life, we need to make it as pain-free and peaceful as possible. We need to have as much happiness and as joy and pleasure as we can cram into this life. That sounds familiar, right? That's how people, a lot of people live today, right? How much pleasure can I pack into a day? And that's all I'm living for, is those, those good vibes, those good feelings, that happiness. I'm just trying to cram as much of that into a day as I can. Not believing in an afterlife, not believing there's anything after this that I might be held accountable for the way that I live, that someone might say, hey, the, the things that you did uh, that, that hurt yourself and hurt other people, like you're gonna have to answer for that. Not living for, for that, just living for today. How much pleasure can I pack in a day? You know, they held to the Greek pantheon of gods and goddesses, but they were agnostic in practice. You know, they did not believe that the gods still made meaningful interactions with people. That if there is a god, you know, he, he just maybe, you know, created the earth, created human beings, but the gods and goddesses don't really interact with us today. They didn't believe that. And then the Stoic thinkers, man, they regarded a philosopher named Zeno as their founder. And the Stoics were all about promoting rational thinking and reasoning over and above, you know, more emotional motivation. So their belief was that ethics, morality, and behavior should be informed by logic and logical reasoning. So less spiritual and experiential and more cerebral, the deep thinking types. And again, we have a lot of those people that approach life like that today. You know, I've 
especially on a college campus, right? Man, I want to be able to think logically about it, to understand it. Man, if I if I can't can't explain it with a, a math equation, if I can't test it in a chemistry lab with a beaker and a Bunsen burner, then it's not real truth to me, and I'm going to inform my whole worldview um, and just based on on logic and reasoning. And those were the Stoics. So these are the people that Paul is reasoning with, these Epicureans, right, that are all about pleasure and happiness, and these Stoics that are all about thinking deeply and reasoning. And how does Paul go about sharing the good news of Jesus to them? How would you go about sharing the gospel with people like this? Man, if you were in Paul's shoes, or sandals, or whatever he's wearing. Verse 19. Then they took him to the high council of the city, Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You're saying some strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. Verse 21 is so interesting to me. It says, it should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. Isn't that wild? Like, the loop puts that note in there for us. Like, this is what Athenians did. Like, they like to kick back and say, oh, this is a crazy new idea. I want to hear it, right? Do you guys have friends like that? They're always coming at you with some crazy thing they... Man, they read on Twitter that man saw some crazy TikTok video that was explaining some crazy conspiracy theory. Oh, y'all gotta hear about this. Just because it's new, just because it's the new idea. Like, not that there's anything sound about it, but anyway, that's Athens, right? Man, they hear about a new idea, a new philosophy, a new, a new things on the scene. Like, hey, let's talk about that. Now let's just sit around and talk about it. And so that's what they do. Verse 22 So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows Men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking through, I saw many shrines. He says, hey, I, I see like a god or a goddess on every single corner. A temple here, a statue there, a shrine here, an idol, an altar. Y'all are very religious. I can see that. As I was walking, I saw many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it. To an unknown god. Diagnostos Theos, there in Greek, to an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm here to tell you about. Right? So as Paul's, as Paul's looking at all these different idols and shrines, he notices something. There's one with the inscription, to an unknown God. Now, the, the Greek pantheon was huge, right? And, and some of these um, you know, uh, polytheistic religions, man, they've got hundreds of gods, sometimes thousands, sometimes millions of different gods and goddesses. Uh, a God of the sun, a God of the sea, a God of animals, a God of love, a goddess of this, a goddess of wisdom. Um, huge pantheon, uh, hundreds and hundreds of gods, but just to make sure they didn't leave one out and upset them, they've got like a bonus catch-all. This is the unknown God. Like if we, if we somehow, when we're making up gods, we, we forgot to make you up, God, please don't be mad at us. We'll have a shrine to you too, right? Because uh, there, was, there was definitely a superstition there. They didn't want to anger the gods. And we don't want to make the gods mad because then the crops will be bad or we might get sick. So here's our shrine, our altar to the unknown God. If we missed one, here it is. And, and so Paul sees that shrine. Oh, you've got an unknown God. Well, let me tell you about him, right? He thinks, this is my hand. This is my intro. Uh, this is how I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to talk about this God that you don't know that I'm here to tell you about. Um, and then when you're, when you're thinking of communicating with someone, when you're thinking about sharing Jesus with someone, um, and in your heart, kind of in the back of your mind, be, be asking Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you give me an in? Would you give me an in in the conversation? Would you give me a turn? And as we're talking about this, something that I can tie back to the truth of Jesus, tie back to the Bible, that I can say, hey, that reminds me of this scripture. Hey, this remind, that reminds me of this thing I learned about Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you give me an in and show me what that is? Because Paul, Paul is looking for it. He's like, okay, how in the world do I talk, to, talk about Jesus with these people? Okay. You've got an altar to an unknown God. Let me tell you a little bit about this God that you don't know. And so he says this in verse 24. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. He is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he doesn't live in man-made temples. Human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole world, and he decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. And what a contrast between these, these gods that, that the Greeks had built themselves. I mean, they built these idols. They built the temples, right? He says, no, no, the unknown God, the God that I serve, uh, isn't made with human hands. And he doesn't, even, he doesn't dwell in, in shrines and temples. Right, we have, you know, they had synagogues then, and, and we, have, we have churches today. 
uh, it's not like God just hangs out in that church, right? And we, we, we may talk about going to a worship service and say, oh, I really sense the presence of God here. But God doesn't live in buildings made with hands. Where does God live? He lives in you, right? He lives in you by the power of your Holy, His Holy Spirit. When you put your trust in Jesus, and what He did on the cross to save you and make you right with God, uh, when you put your faith in Him as Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you and through you. God's home is here, right? Not in any building, not in any shrine. You can't make like a, a, a building and contain Him and say, okay, God, you got to stay in this building. Don't leave. Promise you won't leave. When I come back next Sunday, you better still be there, right? No, God doesn't work that way, right? He's infinite, an infinite God, an ever-present God, an omnipresent God, and He makes His home inside of us, inside, inside our hearts. He comes and lives in us and through us by His Holy Spirit. So Paul's contrasting it. It's not like the God you know. No, no, this God that I'm here to tell you about is the God that created everything, created the heavens, created the earth, created you, created human beings. He's the God that made everything and doesn't need anything. This is the God. He's the God, it says, that provides. He supplies all your needs. So everything that you need comes from my God, right? You, you, you need sunlight, and God created the sun, right? You need food. Every good and perfect gift comes from my God. So everything that you enjoy in this life, yeah, that's my God. My God's responsible for that. It says he also determined uh, when people would live. He decided beforehand when different uh, nations and people groups should rise and fall, where, where they should live on the earth. Um, my God is the God that decided all of these things. Continue in verse 27. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him. For he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and exist. It says that this God that created you didn't just create you just for fun or without a purpose or just as some kind of cosmic experiment. The God that created you created you for a reason and for a purpose. What is that purpose first and foremost? He says so that you would know him, that you would find him, know him, have a relationship with him. The same thing Paul is, is teaching the, the Greeks here, man, and it's true for each and every one of you as well. God created you. God made you. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. Uh, you're not even something that your, your parents carefully planned either. God created you. God made you, and he is the one that gives your life purpose. He's the one that gives your life meaning. God created you on purpose and with a purpose, and that purpose first and foremost is to know him. Right, before, before, man, whatever you accomplish with your career, before whoever you marry, whatever, wherever you live, your first purpose in existence is to know God, to have a relationship with your creator. He said his purpose for all the nations, all peoples, was to seek after him, seek after him, not to seek, but find him and know him. He says God is not far from any one of us. Sometimes it feels like God is so far away. Like, God, I don't sense you there at all. I don't feel you there at all. Um, he says, God's not far from any of us. He's right there. And when we, re we reach out for him, he is right there to meet us, right where you're at. He says, for in him we live and move and exist. He says, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Right? He's quoting the, the, the poetry of the time that they would have been familiar with. The, the, the Greek poets um, and the Greek philosophers had these different writings. Right? He's, he's weaving that in there. Hey, as your own poets have said... You know, we're his offspring, right? God created us, and we're his sons and daughters. We belong to him. We're his offspring, just as your own poet said. Verse 29, and since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and to turn to him. For he set a day of judging the world with justice, by the man he appointed, that man being Jesus. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. He says, we can't think of God the way we think of these other idols. These other idols you built yourselves, or maybe your fathers, your ancestors did. And they, they went out into the, the forest and they, and they cut down a tree and, and they carved up the tree and they made it into the shape of a man or a woman. Or and, and some, some of the gods were shaped like, like fish or bulls or animals. It says, so somebody, right, somebody came and carved that thing up to make it look like that. Maybe they put silver over it. Maybe they put gold over it. But they made it. And the, the, the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, he, he ridicules uh, people that create their own idols, saying, hey, when you went out and chopped down that log, and you brought that thing into your house, and you cut it in half, and half of it you carved into the idol, and the other half you chopped up for firewood, 
How do you know you didn't get that mixed up? Hey, what, what if you accidentally chopped God up in the firewood and you burned him and used the firewood to make your God? He's kind of teasing them how foolish it is to think we can make our own gods. It's silly, right? But we do it, don't we? We make our own gods. We worship man-made things. We give all of our attention, our focus, our energy, our affection to man-made stuff instead of the God that made us. We're not wiser than the people that served idols back in Paul's day. We just serve different idols, usually. And so he says that the God that we serve isn't a God that any human being made. And God's been really patient with us because of our ignorance, but he's saying, man, it's time that you know better. It's time that you know that those things aren't really God. Repent of those things. Turn away from that idolatry so that you can turn to the Lord and know him. And then he, he kind of caps it off with this, verse 31 there, um, is that he is going to judge the world with justice through the man he appointed, that man being Jesus Christ. And he's proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. I say, how, how do you know, Paul? How do you know, Paul, that this man... It's the one that God appointed to, to, to judge the nations. He's the one that we should put our trust in. How can you know that, Paul? He says, I know that because he raised from the dead, right? I don't know if this is the end of Paul's sermon or if they cut him off here, right? I don't know if Paul would have kept going. You know, if, if, he had, if he had more time, if he would have kept going, expounded more upon Jesus' teaching and, and, and what it meant to put, his, put your trust in Jesus. But it says at this point, when they heard him mention the resurrection, raising from the dead, uh, it says, when they heard Paul speak about resurrection from the dead, some of them laughed in contempt. Some of them said, okay, we're done. You said a man raised from the dead. Okay, we're, we're not listening to this foolishness anymore. We're done. Um, so I don't know if they cut off Paul here, man, if, if he just ended there. Um, but, but, but some people just busted out laughing. Like I said, the Epicureans, man, they didn't even believe in an afterlife. Um, and the Stoics, they didn't really believe in, in, in supernatural, super spiritual stuff at all. They're all about logic and reason. So Paul's here proclaiming a man raised from the dead. They're like, man, shut up this clown. Man, we, we don't want to hear this anymore. But it says some, others said, we want to hear more about this later, right? When you're, when you're sharing Jesus, when you're proclaiming the gospel, when you're living your life as a Christian, you're going to have some people that just laugh. Just be like, man, what a fool. What an idiot. Man, you, you really believe this? You really believe this Christianity thing? You really believe in God? Um, man, you're so foolish. And, and they, may, they may laugh in your face. Hopefully they don't. Um, but you may have those people that just react and man, man, that's foolish. How can you believe that? But there will always be some that say, even if it's just to themselves, I want to hear more about this. I want to hear more about this. Man, we need Holy Spirit to guide us to those people that are like, man, I, I, see, I, I see Andy's life. I don't want to know more about that God. Right? I see Leland's life. I want to know more about that God. I see Bryce's life. I see Reese's life, right? I see Camille's life. And, and, and I know they're a Christian, and, I, and deep down, I'm kind of curious. I want to know more about that. Maybe I can't quite admit that, or maybe in the circle of friends that are laughing and cutting up, I can't quite say that, but I'd like to hear more about that. And that's why it's so important man, for us to, to, to pray and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us to those people. Uh, and each of our friends, uh, each of our classmates, each, each of our family members, uh, and, and give them a personal opportunity to respond to the gospel and say, hey, here's the hope I've found in Jesus. Here's the difference that Jesus has made uh, in my life. And, and give them a chance to respond to that. It says there in verse 32, some of them said, we want to hear more about this later. Verse 33, that ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and the other believers. So those that wanted to hear more, and then they joined up with them later, say, hey, tell me more about this Jesus. Tell me more about this creator God that made me and that made everything. That you said is going to judge me someday, right? I want to know more about that. Tell me more about that. Among them were Dionysus, a member of the council, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. So some of them laughed about the idea of resurrection for the dead. Remember, again, the Epicureans that didn't believe in the afterlife. But resurrection is absolutely critical to understanding Jesus as Savior. Right? The reason they knew that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was the Messiah, is after, after his three years of ministry and teaching people about God and teaching people about how to live, when he was publicly executed, he didn't stay dead. Right? Unlike the, the, the teachers of the past, unlike the founder of every other religion in history, Jesus didn't stay dead. He raised from the dead and appeared to hundreds of eyewitnesses, proving that he was who he says he was. The reason Christianity spread like wildfire at that time and throughout the region uh, was because these hundreds of eyewitnesses saw Jesus raised from the dead. And so, so this resurrection of the dead, the, thing that, the very thing they were rejecting was super critical uh, for them understanding who Jesus was. Um, 
Again, we talked about that idea of God not being far from any of us there in verse 27. Uh, and, and so I think that that's so critical for us. It's so critical as you're sharing with friends to say, man, I, I, don't, I don't really feel God or, or I only believe in things that I can, can see and taste and touch and experience uh, to let them know, no, God is near. God is near. God's not some faraway God. The God that created this universe didn't just set the earth spinning and then, and then left us on our own and he's off, in the, off in somewhere else in the galaxy. No, God is near. He's right here with us and he wants to know you. He's a personal God. He wants a personal relationship with you. So what does it mean for us, right? And what, what does it mean for us here, here 2,000 years later? Again, we said, man, the people today are a lot like those Epicureans and a lot like those Stoics. We've got those people that are just living for pleasure. How much pleasure can I pack into each day, right? I'm just living for the good vibes. I'm just living for what feels good. Uh, I'm just trying to live a stress-free life. I'm not thinking about tomorrow. I don't even know what I believe about the afterlife. Um, there's people that are just living for the day. And there's people that are the deep thinkers, right? They, they want to reason stuff down and they want to think deeply. And, and, and then how, how in, in a culture like this, which again, very similar to the culture there in Athens, man, how do we present Jesus to people? How do we share the hope that we found in Jesus with people? For those people that are far from God, and you might be here tonight and you say, man, I'm, I'm kind of I'm on the fence too. I'm not really sure what to think about God myself. You know, I've heard the story of Jesus. Man, I hear what you're saying about Jesus, this guy that lived 2,000 years ago, and he taught people how to live, and then he was, he was crucified on a cross, and then he raised from the dead. And, and that sounds really interesting. I'm not sure what to think about that. Um, if we were to modernize, man, Paul's sermon here, right? Paul, Paul, Paul speaks to these people there in Athens. Uh, and he talks about the altar they have to the unknown God as a way to help them understand, hey, I, there's a God you don't know anything about, and I'm here to tell you about him. You know, the way we might relate the gospel to something in the 20, people in the 21st century would be familiar with. What are the unknown gods in our culture? Right? What are the things people worship and they chase after because they don't know to chase after God? The things that people devote their whole lives to pursuing because maybe they've never heard the good news of Jesus. What are the unknown gods in our culture? It might be something like this, right? If Paul had to preach that same message today, it might be something like that. You know that ache you feel down deep down inside? And that emptiness deep inside that just says, man, there's got to be more to life than this. You know, maybe some days you don't feel it. And some days, some days you're cutting up with friends, you laugh, there's enough busyness that kind of fills up the day that you don't really think about it. I mean, those days where it just feels empty inside. Just that ache of like, man, is this all there is? And do I just live and go to school and work for a few years and get old and die and that's it? But that ache you have deep down inside, that man, there's gotta be more to this. There's gotta be more purpose to this. There's gotta be more to this life than what I'm experiencing. Man, 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 that's, that, that's that unknown God. That desire you have in there is placed there by your creator so you would, like Paul said, reach for him and hopefully find him, right? It's that yearning that you have deep inside. There's got to be something more. Well, the good news is there is something more. There's a God who made you, a God who loves you, a God that wants to fulfill every desire, every need, give your life purpose. Um, and, and, and that ache you have deep inside is there for a reason. It's to cause you to reach out for God, to draw near to God. And it might be different for everybody. Like we said, there's all kinds of different idols people worship. Um, and, and, and part of that is because that's how God made us. God created you to worship. Did you know that? It's part of how he designed human beings, men and women. He made us to be worshipers. He made us to worship things. We, we can't even help it, honestly. It's just how we're made. Like, like we're different from every other creature on the planet. We worship things. It's how human beings are made. Uh, and if we don't worship God, we usually end up worshiping something else. Now, we may not call it worship, but you'll have something that is the focal point of your life, that gets the most of your attention, the most of your affection, the thing you love more than anything, the thing you think about when you're not doing anything else, the thing your mind always goes back to, your affections, your emotions get all tied up in. Maybe it's sports, right? Maybe it's your favorite sports team. Like when they're doing great, your emotions are way up here. When they're doing terrible, like you're depressed and angry and, you know, you know upset, right? And... And, uh, and, and everything about your identity is tied up in the sports team, right? Maybe it's a relationship with a guy, a relationship with a girl. You've made them into an idol. They're your source of happiness and fulfillment, right? And when the relationship's going good, you're on cloud nine. You've got the perfect girlfriend. You've got the perfect guy, right? But, but then well, the relationship's not going good, right? And you realize that, oh, I've made this person into an idol. My emotions are tied to how well this relationship goes. 
that's not fair to anybody, right? That's not fair to any girl, to any guy. Uh, we can't do that to our, our significant others. We can't do that to our spouses. Put them on that pedestal and try to make them meet needs that only God can meet. But we do that, right? P- people make, uh, man, the pursuit of a boyfriend, a girlfriend, their whole life. And they think maybe, man, once I have a girlfriend, life will be perfect, right? Or once I have that boyfriend, once I have that husband, life will be perfect, right? And, and there's an ache down there inside, but the boyfriend's not going to fix it. The girlfriend's not going to fix it. We need God. We need God. And that, 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 that desire we have... Uh, we don't realize it. We're, we're looking for God. It's the same reason people turn into drugs, into alcohol, and all these, these things to numb uh, the, the, the pain inside, to, to find that escape. That it's God that wants to give you peace. It's God that wants to give you rest. When we're stressed out, when we're anxious, it's God that wants to minister to our heart and take away those anxious feelings. But if we don't know God, we're going to end up turning to something else. Man. We're going to turn to a chemical. Uh, I get it. You know, t- turn to drugs, turn to alcohol, turn to something else to take the edge off. And that becomes, that can become an idol for us as well. We were created to worship. And we worship without even meaning to, right? Each and every one of us are going to find something to make the focal point of our life. And maybe the thing we make the focal point of our life isn't even a sinful thing or isn't even a wicked thing. But anything that takes God's place in our life is an idol. And that's wrong because it's keeping us from God. And we've got that national, natural tendency if we're excited about something... And we talk about it all the time, right? We promote it all the time. We tell our friends about it, right? Maybe you see a movie that you really like. You know, you hear, you hear a band you really like at a concert. Maybe, you, uh, maybe you, you see a YouTube video and you share that with your friends. We're naturally made when we're excited about something. We want to tell others. We want to glorify that thing. Make sure everybody knows this. Like, oh, I saw this new Netflix series. Everybody's got to watch this. It's so good. Or did you hear so-and-so's new track? Did you hear old baby drop the new track? It's so tight, man. You got to listen to this thing. <laughs> You gotta listen to this track, and I'm gonna blab it and make sure all my Twitter followers know about it. I'm gonna make sure all my friends know about it. And the group text, like, we're naturally made to glorify things. We can't even help it, we just do it. Man, you eat a great burger. You go, oh man, have you, have, you, have you guys eaten over here yet? You get a great Starbucks drink. Oh, have you tried their new vanilla extra foam whipped cappuccino? You gotta try this thing, it's gonna be so good. You're, we're naturally made to do that. We've gotta make sure that the, the thing we're glorifying most of all is God. Right? We're made to glorify God. Why does God want us to glorify Him? Right? Why, do, why does God want us to worship Him? Is that God has a huge ego? Right? He needs everyone on earth to worship Him? No, it's not that God has a huge ego. Now, we do sometimes, right? So we're, we're ten, we're, our tendency is to take that glory for ourselves, tendency to, to, to make life about us. The reason God wants to focus on Him, we talked about it a little bit earlier in Paul's message. He's the one that supplies every good thing to our life. He's the one that gives us peace. He's the one that gives us purpose and love and fulfillment and all the blessings we enjoy in life. You know, God wants our lives to be oriented towards him so that people can come to know him because he loves people and he wants people to come to know him. He wants to make us into big neon signs, big arrows that are pointing people towards him. Not because he's got a big ego, but because he loves people and he knows he's the one that can supply all their needs. And as long as they're going to other stuff to meet those needs, they're never going to be satisfied. They're never going to be happy. He said, man, I want want people to glorify me, worship me, so that all your neighbors and all your friends know where they can turn to to find real peace, right? And so when we make a big deal about Jesus and what he's done for us, say, hey, man, man, you got to know this Jesus. He's the one that gives my life peace. He's the one that gives my life purpose and meaning, right? When we worship and glorify Jesus in that way, uh, again, it's not because God's got a big ego, but because God's good and everyone deserves to know that, right? So they can turn to him and find peace as well. Idolatry is something we often slip into because we're made to worship. And we've got to make sure that we're worshiping God, that we give the best of our love and affection to God, that we've not set up something else in our life, become addicted to it, or, or given all of our focus and attention to it. And for believers, you know, we can also fall into this temptation of trusting God with some things, but in other areas of our life, we set up idols, we set up these altars to an unknown God uh, to satisfy the things we don't quite feel like we can trust the Lord with. I mean, I've been a Christian in many years at this point, and, and, and we do this, right? We say, oh, I'll trust God with these things, with column A over here. I'll trust God with, with some of these big picture things. But these other things, I, I can handle these things, right? Instead of giving God all of it, giving God all of our lives, we say, okay, God, I'll trust you with this. I'll trust you with forgiving my sins, because I don't really know where else I go for that. I'll trust you with getting me to heaven because I don't know how I'm going to get there. I'll trust you with some of these big picture things. But then some of the day-to-day life stuff, we leave God out of it. 
But God doesn't want that, right? I mean, he doesn't want us to worship him and then also have like all these other altars set up in our life, all these other little shrines to the unknown God set up in our lives that don't want to fulfill all of it. I want to satisfy all of it. I want to meet all of your needs. I want to give every part of your life purpose and direction. Uh, I want to share all of it with you, not just some of the stuff, and you handle the rest of it, right? So, so even for us that are Christians, even for us that are believers, man, we can also be guilty of setting up these shrines to an unknown God and trying to find satisfaction in things other than Jesus. Finally, I'm going to wrap up with this. This is when we share our faith in Jesus with friends and family members, it's important to think about the context and how they're going to understand the message. The way we communicate things changes depending on our audience. Paul had an entirely different approach than preaching to the Greeks there in Athens than he did in some of these other cities. So in the other cities, he went to the synagogue, he found Jewish people or Gentiles that were at least familiar with the Jewish heritage and the Hebrew God. Again, and he preached about how, man, this God sent a Messiah. He's the same one that had been prophesied about hundreds of years ago. His name's Jesus. They had a framework to build on. When Paul's preaching to the Greek philosophers, he's got to pick a different framework, a different approach. You know, Paul contextualized the timeless truth of Scripture uh, in ways that the people can understand and relate to. You notice in, the, in Paul's message, Paul's sermon, what wasn't there a lot of, or any of, really? There wasn't any Old Testament Bible verses being quoted. In other sermons in Acts, man, they'll quote uh, different Old Testament prophets and Old Testament books of the Bible to tie it back to that. When Paul preaches in Athens, well, they don't know that Bible, right? They don't know those scriptures, so he's not going to... He's not going to bother quoting those things. Now, the Word of God is powerful. And if you can work the Word of God into a conversation, do that. But if you only just Bible, Bible, Bible to someone that's got no concept of the Bible, you're going to lose them, right? It's going to go over their head. They're going to disconnect. Paul looked at how, how can I relate it to them in a way that they understand? One of the things he did, he quoted their own poets back to them. What would that be like today? That'd be like whatever the popular movie is, right? Whatever is the hit movie of the season, whatever's going on, people are just buzzing about. They're talking about this movie or that movie. I always go to movie theaters. That's like a whole tangent, but whatever the big popular movie is, and maybe there's a scene in that movie that when you're watching it, it reminded you of something about God. It reminded you, oh, that, that kind of reminds me of Jesus. That reminds me of this Bible story, this Bible verse. When you're in a conversation with a friend later, and tie it in, man, man, I love that movie. It's so good. Well, you know what I really like, though? I really like how this one character had this redemption arc. Like in the beginning, you hate them because they're terrible, right? But by the end of it, they end up being your favorite character because they go through this whole redemption arc and then they, they, they learn to turn away from whatever bad thing they're doing. And, you know, that makes me think about, I mean, and just work that, tie that into Jesus. We love a good redemption story. We love a good forgiveness story. And when we see these things in our culture, movies, TV shows, in the music, I mean, figure out a way to tie that in in those conversations and say, hey, you know, you know this, this song's real popular right now. And I think it's popular because it's really resonating with something that we all feel as human beings. And, uh, and, and tie that back to our, man, our need for God. We need God. We need God. So many songs about love, right? Or just about wanting peace or wanting justice, right? And, and, and there's a reason. Maybe God, God made us to, to think about these things and feel about these things and figure out ways to tie that into God in our conversations. The Lord can use you to do this. Some of you think, not me. That sounds really cool for, for someone else, but not me. No, God can use you to do this, to talk to your friends about Jesus, to work Jesus into just casual conversation. I mean, you're talking about a movie, and you work Jesus into that conversation, right? You're, you're, you're talking about a show, you're talking about, a, uh, and, and talking about an album, and, and then say, hey, man, th this track really made me think about the Lord. What do you think about that? And then people be like, uh, I don't know. But it's the start of a conversation, right? You can share, hey, man, can I tell you the difference God's made in my life? The Lord can use you. So think about what things in the culture you can relate back to Jesus. So when Paul steps in, into the city of Athens, it says he looked around. He noticed all the different idols, right? He noticed all the different shrines. And he's especially noticed that shrine to the unknown God. He said, aha, I can use that. And when you're taking in media, right? When you're enjoying movies, music, these kind of things, also have that same eye open of being like, oh, I can use that. Like, that's really cool. But I can use that to share about Jesus, right? And, and kind of hold on to that and think about that. I mean, I'm going I'm to use that later. That scene from the movie, right? That line from the song, I'm going to use that later. Sent people, and that's what we are, sent by God. Sent people are flexible as they communicate the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to a variety of different audiences and people from different backgrounds. They change their approach. They contextualize the message of Jesus in ways that people can understand. 
They contextualize it. They don't change the message of Jesus because the message of Jesus doesn't change, right? God loved the world so much. He loved human beings. He loved you so much that he was not content to leave you far away from him. He loved you too much for that. But we were separated from God because of our sin, because of our failures, because of the things we do, and that hurt ourselves, that hurt other people, we're selfish, when we're prideful, what the Bible calls sin. This has separated us from God, but he loved you too much to leave you separated. So he sent his son Jesus to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself, what I couldn't do for myself. Jesus lived the perfect life that I could never live. Man, I mess up every day. But Jesus lived that perfect life. And then Jesus died on the cross, the death I deserve to die. And God laid on Jesus the punishment for everything everyone's ever done wrong. So they can turn to God, they put their trust in Jesus, what he done on the cross to have their sins forgiven and be made right with God, have relationship with God again, be adopted into the family of God, have eternal life uh, by, by trusting in Jesus, what he did on the cross, believing God raised him from the dead. They can have a eternity forever in heaven with God. They can have God present in their life in the day to day. That good news, that truth, that doesn't change. But the way you share it, the way you connect it, the way you make that make sense to people may sound a little different from one conversation to the next, right? The way you talk to grandma is not the same as the way you talk to your buddy or the way you talk to your eight-year-old cousin, right? Uh, so, so think about, man, in this conversation, how can I explain Jesus in a way that will connect with them? And I believe Holy Spirit will help you do that. I believe Holy Spirit will help you do that. I want us to respond uh, in our time here tonight, and we'll close out with this. Uh, I want us to respond saying, okay, God, what does this mean for me? What do you want to tell me? God, are there, uh, would you mind to come, come to the piano? What, what, are, what are some things, God, you might want to deal with in my life, right? What are some things maybe, maybe I've got some idols built up in my life, God, that you want me to tear down and trust totally in you and turn totally to you? Uh, maybe, maybe I trust you with some things, God, but there's other things I hold back to myself, and God says, no, I want all of it. Holy Spirit, would you, would you show me what those things are so I can turn those things over to you as well? Or maybe you're here tonight saying, man, I've never put my trust in Jesus that way, but I want to tonight. I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want to know God. Like Paul said, he's not far from any of us. I mean, he's right here. He's here tonight. He wants to know you more than you want to know him, if you can believe it. He wants relationship with you. He wants to love on you. Can we bow our heads? These next few moments are just for you and the Lord. Just a conversation between you and God. Would you ask him these questions? God, is there anything in my life that's become an idol, that gets too much of my time and attention where I'm not giving enough to you? Holy Spirit, would you just lay your finger on that or point that out? And help that thing to diminish in my life. Or help me to get rid of it completely if necessary. God, so that you can take up a bigger role in my life. Just take a moment and, and think through your day. Think through your life. Think about what those things may be. Those altars we set up. Those idols we set up in our life to try to satisfy ourselves in things other than God.
draw us close to you. We want to be in close relationship with you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. God, help us to share the hope we found in you with our friends. God, we've got friends that, that, that are far from you, that don't know you, God. God, would you help us to share the good news of Jesus with the people in our life, to find ways to work you, God, into conversations. And we may be talking about school, we may be talking about sports, anything, but God, would you help us to see the end, to see how to work you naturally into those conversations. Because there's going to be some people that say, I want to know more about that. We can lead them to Christ. We can lead them into a relationship with you. God, use us. God, use us for your kingdom and for your glory. If there's anyone here tonight, again, our heads are bowed. We're just focused on the Lord. If there's anyone here tonight and say, man, I'm really far from God, or I don't know that I have any kind of relationship with God, or I don't know that I've ever put my trust in Jesus, but I want to tonight. If that's you, would you raise your hand? No one's looking around. Would you raise your hand so I can pray with you? Say, man, I'm not where I need to be with God, but I want to make it right tonight. Is that anybody here? God, I know you love these students. They're precious to you, God. God, I pray that they would sense your nearness and your great love for them, God. God, that each and every one of them would have a desire to know you more and have a close relationship with you, God. That they experience you, God, in the day-to-day. They experience you in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, going to class, going to meals, hanging out with friends. God, they'd experience you and sense your nearness, sense your presence in every part of their life, God. That they would turn to you, God, to be the source of purpose and peace and love and happiness, God. That they would turn to you. That they spend time in your presence and prayer. That they spend time studying your word and learning about you, Jesus. They spend time in worship and praise, God. It would build you, God, bigger spaces in their life, Lord. Love you, Father. God, I pray that you would use the ministry of Kai Alpha. God, use us on this campus. God, use us to be a bright light uh, to the people around us. God, there's other people, God, that you want involved in this ministry. Would you draw them? Help us as we invite friends. God, as, as hopefully COVID restrictions begin to lift in the weeks and months to come, God, we can, can fill up this room, God with people that are seeking after you, Jesus. God, bless these students. God, I know some of them are going through difficult situations with classes. God, they've got tests coming up, God, that they've got to ace. They've got, got projects and papers coming up. God, would you help these students, God, with everything they put their hand to? Help them as they study to understand the material and do well on their tests, God. God, help them to finish strong this semester, these last five, five and a half weeks of the semester, God. Would you really help them give them favor with their professors and their instructors, God? Help them to do well on the remaining tests and projects and papers, God. Those that have family issues going on, God, have family members that, that are sick, God, God, would you touch and heal them, Father God, with their strife and drama and family and friend relationships, would you bring peace into those situations, God? God, I pray for my own mom. My mom's got surgery tomorrow, God. Would you be with her in that surgery and God, those doctors, God? We love you, Lord. We trust you, God. Take our stress, take our hurt, take our pain. God, we want to know you. We want to know you, God. Guard our hearts with your peace, God. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I love you guys.